Well, hi everyone, and welcome back to Cross Wires. It's James here, and this week, although we're not a new show, we are going to be talking a little bit about some of Apple's latest goings on, uh, in particularly in uh, Macs and some of her home stuff, and more specifically, like Apple's trend away from full blown get all the media into a room and talk about these new things. But let me introduce, of course, my lovely co-host, Jay. How are you doing today? I'm doing good, even if I had to go into work for a meeting on my off day. But at least they paid me overtime. And free food. D- did you at least get the free food? Yeah, I, I got free food, chicken tenders and fries. So I'll I'll take that. Okay, fair, fair play. Yeah, it's, it's frustrating when we do that. But hey, I'm glad you're doing well. We've, we've been having a lot of fun recently. We have been, so behind the scenes, we've been doing a lot more streaming. We're actually going to be streaming later on tonight as we record this. Yeah, it's great fun. So do make sure you check out crosswires.net forward slash live. Or if you want to actually go direct, it's twitch.tv forward slash crosswires live. But without any further ado, let us introduce our guest this week, a returning guest. And do you know what? I love it when we get returning guests. It, it gives me a little bit of a confidence boost, you know. But would you welcome back from the Mac Observer, Mr. Jeff Butts? Hey, everybody. How you doing? Good. How are you since the last time? I'm good. I'm good. And no, you didn't scare me off. Don't don't worry about that. <laughs> don't, I don't think I've scared a guest off yet. Good. Yeah, I, I think you might have if if you had started like texting him in green bubbles, then he'd be like, "What's up?" <laughs> oh, you got a block. Yeah, block. Bye. <laughs> You're gone, James. Who? That, that's my formula, James. Who also known as Doctor James. Who? <laughs> oh, I go. Let me just regenerate. I don't want to go. Yeah, uh, sorry. <laughs> mm, I know his teeth. Uh, anyway, sorry, sorry. Big nerd moment. So, Jeff, as a quick uh, recap, for those who maybe haven't listened to your previous episode, of course, we'll link that episode in. Why am I pointing down? No one but us can see this video. We'll put the uh, link to that episode where we chatted a little bit about messaging, you know, the whole thing about the green bubbles. Jeff, tell tell people a little bit more, uh, a little tiny bit more about yourself just for a refresher. Well, I'm a managing editor of the Mac Observer where we don't believe in green bubbles. It's blue or we don't do it. No, it's actually it's deeper than that. You know, we we cover all Apple stuff, which is why whenever Google starts on this rant about RCS, we just kind of scratch our heads and go, "Why do we need to do that?" Yeah, but we do cover all things Mac, which I believe may be why I'm here today. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, well, we couldn't get anyone else, so you know, um, no, no, absolutely no. Wow, I know, right? I just, just shot, just fired James, shots. What are you across. doing? I, like, what? Are, I love. I've, I've actually followed. Where's that disconnect button? Yeah, um, t- <laughs> top uh, left, and I'll, Jay, you know, top don't right. help him. <laughs> all right, all right. So, Jeff, it's a. I could just do Command W to close the window. That that did the trick. Or Alt F4 if you're on Windows. Yes. <laughs> which hopefully none of us are. So, Jeff, thank you. It generally is a pleasure to have you back. And we thought, you you know, because, you know, Mac Observer, you know, it it just made sense for us to come and gather and and have a little talk. And again, the reason we're doing this chat is because I think it's exciting times in the world of Apple Silicon. Uh, And I wanted to have a little chat, but, before we chat about the chips, Jeff, from from your perspective as sort of a you know a, a, what we can describe as a Mac journalist, mm-hmm. what what's your take? Because Apple not doing a full bringing the press down and having a you know an event in Apple Park Center, 
Is it with Steve, with Steve Jobs Theatre? So yeah, with Steve Jobs Theatre. Right. How do you how do you think that's going down? Because I'll say I like the videos, but at the same time, until people started putting it on Mastodon, or someone mentioned to me, oh, Apple have released a bunch of new stuff. I'm like, what? Hang on, I didn't know about that. And I was actually late to the party. Yeah, it, it's kind of an interesting thing. And, you know, what we've learned after the fact is that it it may be that that's not really how it was supposed to go. Oh. We've, we've noticed in some of the directory trees and uh, some of the date stamps on the videos that these were actually ready to go as early as early December or uh, early October, I should say. And so, you know, the, the rumors that were swirling around that Apple was going to have two fall events, one in September and one in October, it looks like maybe that was the plan. And then it kind of fell apart. Uh, and why it fell apart, we can only guess, but I'm sure it has a lot to do with Foxconn in Zhengzhou, China. Good point, because, of course, China's been under increasing lockdowns because of the resurgence of COVID over there, and that will have affected... Oh, okay. And even though even though the, the plant that was shut down for so long was the iPhone City plant, it would still have a trickle-down effect on other products. I can see that. Uh, particularly things like maybe, I might be making an assumption here, maybe some of the camera components or things like that. Yep, camera components, and even just you know, you got to think that Foxconn was was having to shift production to try to keep up with iPhone 14 Pro manufacturing, and so that may have taken away from being able to assemble components at other facilities for the new hardware that was announced last week. That's a very I had not thought of that. That's a really good point. Because it does seem an odd time because again, you know, my take on this would be those were products that particularly that particularly for HomePod, which was also announced, that would have been perfect for holiday season. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And but I, I think that I think that the decision was probably made fairly early on because during the last quarterly earnings call for fiscal year 2022, Tim Cook did make the comment that their holiday product lineup was set, which we were able to, you know, we, we assumed that meant there wouldn't be any new HomePods, no new MacBooks, just the iPhone 14 lineup. That's a really interesting part that I genuinely had not considered. Uh, and obviously not being in that news sphere in terms of, you know, digging through news it, it you know right you know it, it it is somewhat of a i'll be really honest i'm glad we're not a new show i love that we're able able to shift content around like for example you know the episode that came out literally yesterday from our from our perspective so this episode will be coming out a week uh next monday today is tuesday this will be next monday but the episode we put out yesterday literally it was only recorded on the saturday i had an episode planned to produce and edit so to edit it rather, because it was already recorded and put out. Right. But because we were able to get the story with Gideon Mayhew, I was able to shift that forward. Whereas, and, and it means I can move things about. I can, you know, if we ever have a problem with audio or where I'm not happy with an episode, yeah. I can just say to a guest, hey, and I've done it with Ravi, Ma- uh, Ravi, uh, Ravi, sorry, Ravi Malik's different. Ravi Malik's uh, an actor. Ravi Abbott is the Amiga musician. Um, I've done it with... Uh, Ravi, because the audio wasn't just as wasn't as good as we wanted. But going back to that, I do like the video production values that Apple are bringing. I love, 
I love the little transitions. I love... Is it fair to say, and, and it's a question for both of you, it seems like Apple are really working hard on diversity of presenters. Yeah, I would say they are. And I think that, you know, I think they've gotten a little bit better at these pre-recorded video segments. I'm not going to lie. I, I miss seeing Steve Jobs on stage. Yeah. Yes. Um, I really do. And I think that the shift to the, to the recordings is kind of, it's kind of a bow to the fact that Tim Cook, Craig Federighi, and others, they cannot pull together the amount of charisma that Steve had on stage. Yeah, because, I mean, if you look even at how Steve Jobs was able to sell the Mac and, and like, was able, able to, like, get the funding and all that, from his garage, he was able to sell. He had so much charisma. I mean, in yeah. – I I remember like the one more thing he sold me on the iPhone, which if you look at the early iPhone now, it was a cool device. It was missing a whole bunch of things, but I wanted it right because of of how he presented it. But nobody else had those things, so no, yeah, you know, that was that was you know your your best option at the time, and it's continued to be, in my opinion, your best overall option. Yes, um, other other manufacturers may do one or two things a little bit better, but. At the end of the day, the iPhone since 2007 has been my go-to and will remain my go-to smartphone. Absolutely. The quality-wise, I'm still rocking an iPhone 11 Pro Max. And, I mean, that's still new, but it's not. And it's it's incredible that it's still been my daily driver. And I feel like mm-hmm. that they really worked on the quality. I'm not trying to, like, fangirl over it, but it is pretty imp- <laughs> impressive. Yeah, and I don't think anybody will accuse me of being a fanboy if, you know, if they've read some of my editorials or some of my Twitter jabs at Apple. When Apple screws up, I will call them on it. Yes. And it's one of the things we, we talked about the last time you were on is that, look, Apple do make mistakes. We, we've had that discussion. And it, it, again, it's in, it's framed in my mind. You know, when we start talking about some of the hardware, I'll be upfront and say some of the prices. And, you know, when I agree with, um, Marco Arment, Casey, Casey Liss and John Syracuse, the upgrade prices to go from, say, 8 gig of RAM to 16 gig of RAM, $200, that RAM don't cost that much. It, it's untenable. Yeah. But I, I'm with you as well, Jeff. I miss the jobs because most, for most of those presentations, Jobs led it. But he didn't have to bring different people. Look, I love Craig Federighi as a presenter, um, particularly when he's – Actually, when he's off stage and when he's talking to my, my favorite episode, podcast episode of every year is when John Gruber gets Craig Federighi and usually, uh, Joss, uh, uh, Craig Josswiak. Greg, Greg Josswiak. Yeah. Gets those two sat down and the combat and, and Craig. My first experience with Craig's presenting style was actually watching one of these uh, developer state of the unions. And he was fairly new at this point. And he said, look, you know, we've got over 3,000 new APIs. Let's start going through them. We'll start with A. And then he said, he started, and of course he was joking. But that yeah. presentation, of course, for hair. But those individuals, as good as they are, don't equate to a jobs presentation. No. Right. Yeah, so let's dive into the into the hardware now. For new Apple products, we are in the second generation of Apple uh, of Apple Silicon for Mac, the the M2 line. Yep. One thing that's worth mentioning, of course, is that we have an outstanding product that's yet to transition for Mac Pro. Right. We can speculate on that in a little bit, but 
let's start. So they started with one of possibly the over the years. The I don't know how to quite describe this, but the the unloved at times, and then the infrequently updated machine that was always maybe meant to be someone's starter Mac. You know, the BYOD, bring your BYOD, K, M, M, or T. Basically, you just get the Mac box. You get the, yep, you don't get anything else. The Mac Mini. I remember one of the, I remember the original being introduced. I remember the Intel variants. I remember as it started to shrink in size. Mm -hmm. And of course, in 2020, it got Apple Silicon. And it made perfect sense, that machine, to have an Apple Silicon chip, one of the first. It halfway got Apple Silicon. Because remember, there was still, there was still a high-end Mac that was still running the Intel i7. An i9, I believe, yeah. Uh, I thought it was the i7, but I could be wrong. I think there was an, I might be wrong, but it might have been an option for an i9. But anyway, that's bye bye. Right, right. What Apple has done, is, you know, they've now taken the number of their computers that were still on Intel and shrunk that by half. There was the high-end Mac Mini and there was the Mac Pro. Now the high-end Mac Mini has has made the leap to the Apple Silicon architecture. Which is in itself a far bigger deal than people might think. Yes. Let's let's start with let's start with the, the big thing here. The, the base model M2. Mm-hmm. So improved performance. We know the M2 is obviously, by its very nature, is better than the M1. Now, we'll come to something in a moment. But the first thing I want to call out is, and, and ask you both about, is the price point. Because it's $100 cheaper than the base model M1. I'm wondering if that's because of some of the R&D costs. Like the first one, they needed to recoup that. And set, now that they've built on that and be able to add it to different things. And it could be the fact that they want to get it into a lot of different places. Like at my last, my last employer, they have, I think now three Mac minis at, at their place. One, like one's a server, one's a, yeah, one server, one's used in the, uh, uh, for the webinar stuff and one's used for their, their front end machine. And like, they're all varying degrees, but the Mac mini is something you could theoretically put anywhere. I mean, then think of like Mac mini Colo and like all their thousands of Mac minis. And yep. it's a machine that I think if you lower the price point, you get more quantity of users. I have a Mac and an M1 Mac here because it's, it, it's small. It fits. And maybe that's part of the why they brought the cost down. I, I think that may be a part of it. I, I think there there may also be a factor of, you know, they're, they're moving into a territory where all that, that's really lacking between the Mac Mini and a MacBook or an iMac is the display. Yeah. I, you know, I'm, I'm looking quickly at pricing, and, I mean, there is still a, a pretty significant jump from the M2 mac mini to any of the m2 powered macbooks but you know apple may have wanted to make that dividing line even greater to you know just to get more sales because they sell the mac mini you take a hundred dollars off the mac mini that may be enough to say oh you know what since i'm saving this on the mac mini let's get a studio display to go with it that's a good point that's a gorgeous display i i have to admit my my plan is possibly budget allowing. I, I'm currently on a 27 inch, 2017 i7, like really, really kitted out i7 iMac. 
Mm-hmm. Let, let's just say when the M2 Pro Mini was announced, now obviously I'm talk, we're talking M2 Pro, but when these new Minis are like, that's going to be my next system. I'm going, to maybe, I'm going to save it for a studio display. Or I might not, actually. I might get something else because that's a beauty. You can bring your own display. Right. And there are plenty of displays out there that are 4K, 5K, 6K that are less expensive than the studio display. They just don't have some of the bells and whistles. I mean, uh, and, and for me, let's say I don't need the camera because I've got the, this Logitech Brio. And the camera stinks anyways. Yeah, which is, do you know, I that's one thing that really frustrated me. I was thinking, on paper, it should have been great. Yeah. The specs were brilliant. It, sh- it should have been able to rival this Brio. And I, I, in my head, I'm thinking, this is a wonderful display for streamers. No, the software has completely ruined that experience. Uh, and it's a real shame. But I don't need the microphone either, and I don't need the speakers because, you know, I've got a proper audio interface. I've got headphones. Right. So for me, maybe a different display, but that's maybe the beauty of a Mac Mini. But you're right. It could well be the thinking, well, you know, we could pair these two together. I had one other thought that might have brought the cost down. Now that a lot of the line has been moved, I wonder if this the ability to buy in, in bulk quantities all and in, in produce these chips and produce all of the connectors – that could have been a factor too. Versus last year is one of the first parts of the line to get upgraded, so it comes with a higher cost. If that's the case, that's going to be probably the the first time we've ever seen that happen with an Apple product. But I think Jeff, correct me if I'm wrong. What you were sort of mentioning about the fact that they all that really eliminates this from, I say, a MacBook Air is the fact that MacBook Air has got a screen. It's got the screen, it's got the built-in keyboard, the built-in trackpad, yeah. What would be the, almost the, would we win a bet if I were to speculate that there's a good chance that the majority of the logic board is identical between those two machines? Uh, I would not take that bet because I already know it to be true. Oh, okay. So it is, yeah. Yeah, and that's always been the case with the Mac Mini. The Mac Mini has always borrowed a lot of its components from the portable lineup. Ah, which makes sense in that form factor. That does make a lot of sense. And, of course, one of the big differences, of course, is it's got an internal power supply, whereas, of course, the laptops don't. So they will just have, right. you know, but you won't have... And there's, there's no point having a MagSafe connector on a Mac Mini. I really wish they would because I've, I've, that, uh, the connectors that they use. Now, granted, I'm, I'm a unique case because of, um, arthritis deformed hands, but the polarized connector on the Mac Mini has always been problematic for me. It's very difficult to get it fully inserted and have it stay connected and not pull loose. Okay. I stand corrected. It, it's a shame they didn't have the space there. In that case, I start, I will change my... It's a shame they did not have the space to put in the, the connector that they used in those 24-inch iMacs mm-hmm. and, and offload... Because could, they could still offload the Ethernet onto the onto power brick in that case. I mean, I don't know how you do that with 10 gig, but... Hmm. Mm, I don't know that it would even be necessary, but... I, I mean, it is what it is. There's there's ways to work around that particular problem, and like I said, I'm I'm a fringe case on that. But it, it, it is something that would be nice. But you know, look, the, the base mini, I I think is so without doing too much of a spec ramble because look, 
again, we aren't a new show. This is all being covered. Right. What interests me is, you know, it's got the two Thunderbolt 4 ports. Now, we did a little bit of looking before the show, and Jay's Mini, the M1, had USB-C, USB 4 and Thunderbolt 3. They were the same speed, 40 gigabits a second. But I think Thunderbolt 4 has a little... Actually, do you know what? I actually think we've just aligned the specs. I don't know if Thunderbolt 4 actually offers anything more than Thunderbolt 3. Is it just maybe a... Uh, it does offer faster faster bandwidth than Thunderbolt 3, if, if memory serves. I thought, we were, and I, hate, I thought they were both 40 gigabits. So I'm, you know, I might be wrong on that. Mm. I might, because I know Thunderbolt... Because so, I remember vividly, Thunderbolt 1 was 10 gigabits. Thunderbolt 220 and 3 was 40. And I thought, but it could be faster bandwidth, faster um, support, more support for video standards in Thunderbolt 4. Because actually, you know, this thing can still drive. Um, so the M2 can drive two, up to two, I think, uh, is it up to two 6Ks? It's pretty impressive what it can drive from. Yeah, and there's an HDMI 2.1 port on the M2 right. versus 2.0 on the on the M1, and I, I was impressed at the change from the Mac Mini I, I used at, at work versus the M1 in that architecture from Intel to Apple Silicon. There is a I, this thing pulls more power than I was expecting when I upgraded from my MacBook Intel MacBook to this. I was thinking, okay, is it going to be that much better? But it can pull a lot of things, like even our streams. Um, James is on a, an Intel iMac, and I'm on an M1 Mac, and the what I can pull on this is pretty impressive. I, I can pull streams and have my video in multiple places at once. Mm-hmm. You don't have the same limitations. I think partially because that Apple Silicon has much better video encoding support. Yeah. Um, you, you have a much better, and it's why we consider them too. When we look at, Jeff, the, the, the M1 that Jay's got right now versus this new base model Mini, uh-huh. I guess one, one question to ask is, is there a compelling upgrade if you've already got an M1? Reviews are still trickling in, but it, based on based on what we're hearing, no, not necessarily. If if your M1 Mac Mini is doing what you need it to do, and you're not, you know, it, it's you're not choking it to death. Uh, there's not really a there's not really a big reason to jump. Just like when we talk about the MacBook Pros, I'll say the same thing. There there's only a small fraction of people that will see any real benefit going from an M1 Mac Mini to an M2 Mac Mini at the base level. At, at the M1 versus M2. Yeah, not not factoring in the, the Pro or the Max variants. And that then leads to the next sort of thing. Let's talk about the the M2 Pro, because you said you, you said earlier, Apple still had, up until these came out, they still had the high-end Intel Mac Minis in their lineup. Correct. Because... They, they could still do higher-end workflows. Now, correct me if I'm you've got a Mac Studio. Um, are you, what, if you don't mind me asking, are you on the Max or the Ultra? Uh, it's the Max. A lot of people I've spoken to who have studios have said, I wish I'd waited and gotten a Mini Pro, the M2 Pro. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of there too. I, I do a little bit wish that my old Mac Mini could have held out another year, but it couldn't. So I, I got the Mac Studio, and honestly, I'm happy with the Mac Studio. I just I know that for what I do, even just a halfway tricked out M2 Pro Mac Mini would have been a little bit cheaper than the Mac Studio. 
And I think that's so these so VM2 Pro starts at thirty thirteen hundred dollars and it's actually very well specced for that price point. If I let me just double check because I think I twelve ninety nine for VM2 Pro. So yeah, thirteen hundred dollars. Uh and that has the specs of my Mac Studio are are better than that, other than the fact that I've got the M1 Max as opposed to the M2 Pro. The nice thing here is, of course, is I think what I really like about this, it, the M2 Pro, is that, you know, it's got that te- new 10-core GPU, uh, CPU, 16-core GPU. And it does, thankfully, on that M2 Pro, you are not starting at 8 gig. It is a 16-gig machine. Right. So I think you actually get... Now, you can only go up to 32 gig on an M2 Pro. Correct. You can go up to 24 gig on the M2 but I think for me, what's really interesting is just how powerful this thing is going to be for, I, I think, probably people like myself who do a lot of video editing, do quite a bit of streaming. Um, I don't audio edit on this machine. I think everyone by no knows a number of times I've said that I edit on the iPad. But that extra performance above VM2 does make it really compelling for, you know, I'd say content creators, maybe developers who want faster build times above an M2. Yep. And I think it's just, I, I think Apple have got a really nice product there. It's kind of a shame that they don't have bootcamp on silicone because imagine doing some of the, like I know streamers who are on windows who struggle with one one PC streaming. Mm-hmm. Imagine trying to do that on windows, but like, using bootcamp that would actually be kind of interesting but the problem you have and that would be very interesting but i think part of the reason and it comes back to why apple do so well yeah there's going to be a huge difference between how mac os performs on on, on arm 64 versus how windows would perform on arm 64 because right windows ain't optimized for arm 64 microsoft haven't not at all haven't really got products out there that are arms let me rephrase that they haven't got really focused products but around 64 i think that's probably a fair analogy yeah because you can't you can get an arm 64 build of windows but it's not as optimized as you would want it to be and the reason i brought that up was because like some of the, especially on windows or on especially on gaming Mac still lags behind because of developer support. Gosh, yeah. Yeah. Which, look, I mean, we, we will be honest. That's the reason we've got Steam decks. Right. And it's also why it's so hilarious that Apple, in, in announcing the M2 Pro Mac Mini, it points out that it's 15 times faster at gaming than the Intel-based system. And we're just scratching our heads going, but, okay, so I can play Resident Evil better than I could on um, iMac. Uh, okay, who cares? I don't know who I'm more frustrated at, Apple or Valve. I kind of want to be frustrated at both of them. If Apple and Valve got their butts together, no offense, Jeff, uh, got their backsides together into oh, a room. you're funny, huh? Uh, I try, I try. <laughs> you got try. jokes over there? <laughs> I, I don't know, hang on, a few, few. Um, <laughs> well, I, 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 uh, um, Jamie, I, th- I think you're making a, a butt of yourself. <laughs> <laughs> seriously though if apple and valve got into a room together and said hey we're gonna bury the hatchet here and we are gonna work together to bring that same amazing compatibility layer that the steam deck has and um you know proton brings to uh, gaming on linux mm-hmm. okay but but look apple's got 
enough anti-competition attention against them here and across the pond in your in your part of the world too. I, I think that if Apple and Valve sat down in a room together, various government agencies would be wanting to be a fly on the wall and find out what exactly they were colluding. That's a good point. Look, Apple has put the framework in place to bring gaming to the Mac. The metal graphics engine is better than just about anything anywhere, but developers aren't using it. It's not just Valve. It's also Electronic Arts. It's also uh, Activision. It's also Blizzard, Microsoft. You know, the... I hate to say it, but, you know, we're just, we're not vocal enough in saying we want games. If we want games, we need to yell louder. We need to say, okay, we're not going to buy your Xbox One just so we can play our games. We're not going to buy your PlayStation just so we can play our games. Give it to me on my Mac or I just won't even patronize your business. That's true. And look, you know, Mac's... You know, historically, they've never been amazing for games, but I've no. tried many times. You know, I, I mean, you know, I remember I do have a vivid memory of Epic being up on stage at an Apple event announcing the original Fortnite for a Mac. And look where we are now. Right. And, you know, every year we see a new, you know, high quality, high dollar value game being advertised as running on the Mac. But that's the only one that we ever really get. There's no there's no trickle downs to that. We've got Resident Evil Village this year, and that's all we're getting. Don't we also have No Man's Sky as well? Uh, has that shipped yet? Uh, good point. I think, well, we mentioned it in the announcement. Um, th- then it's coming. Yeah. Okay. So okay. So we we'll, we'll have two 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 games out of look. You know, um, Jake, just how big's your our Steam library? Our shared Steam library. Thirteen hundred games. Thirteen hundred games. And that's just Steam. That's just our Steam library. And how how many will run on a Mac? Very few. Yeah. yeah. Very few. And in fact, games that were running on a Mac stopped running on a Mac when Apple ditched 32-bit support. Yep. I, 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 too, do a little bit of gaming on Steam, and that's a, that's a common problem. I'm looking for a game. I think, oh, this looks fun. And then, bloop, nope, not going to run on your Mac because you don't have 32-bit support. Yeah, and maybe Apple, I'm not trying to like derail, I think Apple tried to fix it a little bit with Apple Arcade. And I mean, Apple Arcade, I do enjoy, but they're not the same experience as no. me, in, in my opinion. Apple Arcade, for me, and I, I'm, well, we, you know, I have a family plan. Um, I love some of the games in Apple Arcade. Frenic uh, by Icon Factory is in Apple Arcade. Great game. Again, just to give Icon Factory a bit more of a plug since you know things are a little bit tougher right now um but apple arcade feels very much more like a collection of nintendo switch style casual games yes yeah and don't get me wrong i love my switch mario kart um smash um all the mario games are some of my favorite games but they are much more casual games than your Resident Evils, than, you know, we're, we're streaming uh, or jay streaming some nautica tonight now some nautica does run on my mac one of a few that does but i'll tell you something on this mic it ran a lot worse under mac os than it did under windows when i had boot camp on here mm. and i guess here's you know so no one's really gonna be buying these for gaming systems and i think i mean honestly right now my recommendation is if you need a gaming system but it's not a windows pc um because you don't want to run windows then steam deck honestly yeah 
way, in my opinion, way cheaper than than a lot of Windows machines at, at that range. Because like my 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 NZXT machine still cost me about a thousand dollars to do a little bit of uh, you know sort of episode promo. Go and check out our, ta- our chat with Noah from Steam Deck HQ. We talk all about why Steam Deck is so great. Um, but going back on track. But Mac Minis, they've got a little tiny, and when I say tiny, I do mean tiny a little bit bigger. It made me laugh when uh, the guys at ATP were talking about it. We're talking like, like millimeter, like less than, like, I think millimeters difference. Yeah, 0. 0.01 centimeters. <laughs> that might not matter to us, but think about Mac Mini Colo who built those racks. They now have to probably modify things if they don't fit in those racks. If it's really different. I saw some references that said, you know, it hasn't really gotten any bigger. Apple's just offering more precision in the measurements. Oh. Okay. That's interesting. And look, that would be my fault as well. I'm thinking, yeah, but you're not going to necessarily redo. No. Yeah. You're not going to redo the enclosure. Because it's no. not just because that's the thing. It's not just the, uh, the home. The new HomePod's got technically gotten a little bit bigger as well. I don't mm-hmm. know if it's actually bigger. As Jeff said, yeah, accuracy. So specs-wise, I guess it's bigger on the inside. Oh, dear. Oh, go home, Jay, yeah, you're drunk. <laughs> 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 look, let's let's move on to... Because, look, these are not huge upgrades. I think the only thing that really excites me... So the, the 14 and 16-inch MacBook Pros got upgrades. They got the option to have the M2 Pro or the M2 Max. What blows my mind about the M2 Max is its maximum memory capacity in a freaking laptop. 96 gigabytes. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And, and 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 here still we're saying if you have an M1 Pro or an M1 Max based MacBook Pro, hmm. even with the 96 gigabytes on the M2 Max Pro MacBook Pro, you might not need it. I, I watched Marquise Brownlee. How, I, I can never remember how to pronounce his name. So if he's listening, my apologies. Email me and we'll straighten it out. He, he At the end of his review, he said, look, if you already have an M1-powered MacBook Pro, unless you are a very one of the very, very small percent of people who are already taxing that machine to its limits – this is not an upgrade for you. This is for people that have not made the jump yet. Yeah. Can I can I put that in, in another piece of context from my standpoint? Mm-hmm. Would it be fair to say those who have M1 Pro or M1 Max MacBook Pros, if you've maybe got one of the original first-gen M1s, or particularly if you are on an Intel machine, that is probably going to be a much bigger jump. It, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it, and... But he also pointed out that, you know, if you can find a good deal on a refurbished M1 Pro or M1 Max, that may be the route to take as well, because there's still going to be solid performers. Uh, you know, it's, it's a, it's a 20 to 30% performance increase. It's not a huge leap. And, you know, it's, it's kind of making me, it, it, I'm thinking more on, do we, can we really expect hardware manufacturers to have huge leaps in innovation year after year after year? Or should we expect one or two a decade and then incremental improvements after that? And that's what we're seeing with this year's MacBook Pros. It's an incremental, it's a spec bump. And I think that's okay. Oh, yeah. 
I think that's part of the reason why Apple's gone to a lot of service base. I, Cause I'm actually looking at a hardware manufacturer of like handheld uh, machines and they have literally every like three months a new machine, but they said compared to a lot of the places that machines, what they're, where the profit is. And with Apple, if I don't buy a new device, I'm still probably going to use their services. So I'm giving them some income that way. Yeah, you're, you're still paying for your Apple Music. You're still paying for your Apple TV Plus, iCloud, extra storage, all of the above. Yeah, we're, we're starting to, well, no, we're, I was going to say we're starting to run out of space. We're not. It's just, we, you know, I'm going little off, little off, slightly offbeat rant. iCloud Drive, iCloud Drive sucks for collaboration at times. Sometimes, yeah. That is true. Yep. Uh, we're trying to find a solution. And, you know, sometimes, like, sometimes this shouldn't be happening. But when I'm trying to save stuff to our shared iCloud Drive folder for, for a podcast, like, I've been working on stream overlays all this week. It, the file save mechanism, and it could well be my Mac, but it crashes. It, it beach balls because there's that layer of iCloud complexity that's just really silly. Um, but that, yeah, I, it's probably my machine. I probably need to do something on my machine. Anyway. Yeah, I would say maybe not your whole machine. Maybe start creating a new account and see if it happens with a new account. Good shout. Good shout. It could well be an account. Yeah, it could be. Sometimes if you get a pre- if you get a preference file that's corrupted, there's no way to to recover from that a lot of times. I had that with Apple Mail. Apple Mail kept like I I literally showed James I opened up Apple Mail one time, millions of messages that were unsent and I had to I- Oh, do you do you know how many times I've tried to explain to somebody how to how to reset their spotlight index and oh. it works half the time and half the time it doesn't. It's same with the mail index. Sometimes all you can do is just New can pave, you know, create a new account and start fresh. Yeah, I will try that. Thank you. Live troubleshooting on my podcast. But yeah, well, you know, but the, these 14, 16 inch machines are, are, I really love the design. Oh, there is one thing they added, which I thought was really nice and cute. They've, they've, uh, they brought over the uh, color matched yeah. Microsoft cables. That's nice. That's just, I want one of, the, I mean, can I just say one of my wishes? I know that I don't have a need for this, but I want one of those purple MacBooks. <laughs> what purple MacBooks? What purple MacBook? Was it a purple MacBook or no. my? Do you purple, from the purple you... iPhone? Purple iPhone. <laughs> Scratch that from the episode. I'm so sorry. No, oh, no, no, no. Stay, leave that, leave that in. That stays in. That stays in. Jay's obsession with purple stays in the show. Absolutely. I've got. I've, I've, <laughs> I'm so. If you if you want purple, Jay, deep purple iPhone 14 Pro. Oh. I almost bought. Oh, oh that's beautiful! That is now beautiful. nobody, nobody that- can see this on on the other end because this is audio only. But I am showing Jay my deep purple iPhone 14 Pro. D- D- Jeff, there was a uh, three weeks ago, and I was like, "Can't say." <laughs> and my 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 wallpaper color matched. Jeff, I love you. I love you. <laughs> there were there were um, about two um, two weeks ago. I woke up and my iPhone was not turning on and I forgot how to turn, how to force restart on this device specifically because they changed that over the years. Yep. So I'm like, I'm like, well, waiting for, for James to be able to, to, to call me and I'm already looking at prices on a, a new purple iPhone. <laughs> yeah. And, and by the way, another thing that the, the viewers can't see other than the squad guest, James, when we did, when we did the, the last podcast I was on, was my hair more purple than it is now? It was, yes, a lot. More I, I think oh. so. Uh, yeah, Jay, you're gonna have to go go back through my Instagram and see when it, it first got dyed. 
I'm I'm gonna have to install my, uh, install a, a meta account it, absolutely. It was, it, oh because yeah, it was it was purple purple. Um, my my favorite color is purple. It'll be my squad. It'll be my squad shop. It'll be my squad shop. Okay, cool. But go, moving slightly away from a purple, those color match. Why? But, <laughs> um, okay, so the color the color coded yeah the color coded uh, power cables for the MacBooks. Um, you know, cute, kind of funny considering there's really only two color variations for them for them but i want those i want those color matched woven power cables sold individually i'm tired of these rubberized plastic wrapped power cables that apple wants to sell us off the shelf i want the and i've i've said this before i want the braided woven power cables yes please like you get with with the magic trackpad the magic keyboard now you get them with the ipad pro let's start seeing those on the shelves yeah i want to go and pick those up for i would love and i mean i have a braided USB-C cable uh a black one for my ipad but mm-hmm. that's by anchor that's not by apple yeah my, mine are by anchor or by native union you know some third party apple's missing the boat here uh otterbox makes a really good one. Oh, same with i I hate promoting the Amazon Basics, really cheap and expensive, and I I swear by their cables. Yeah, because you, you'll remember, of course, Jeff, a time when every Apple cable was white and every Apple adapter yeah. was yep. white, and and until they started weathering and, and all that, and then all of a sudden the, that one day where they cracked, and yet still the default is white. You know the the wall wart that came with my my new iPad Pro white, even though I've got the. Uh, the space gray iPad. I've got a white USB-C cable and a white wall wart. However, one pl- one place where the cables aren't white by default is the new HomePod. The new HomePod. Oh. Now, now, we're not talking HomePod mini here, folks. We are talking full fat, full size HomePod. It's back. The, the rebirth of the OG HomePod. This thing looks incredible. Like, I actually... I can't wait to go to the Apple store and listen to it, like what it sounds like because I remember the original HomePod, the big one, sounds great. My minis sound great, but there's something about the bigger size. Well, okay. Now, I, I was warned. If you're happy with your HomePod mini, don't listen <laughs> to an OG HomePod. Okay. <laughs> you won't be happy with it anymore. That makes sense. So unless unless your budget can afford replacing those HomePod minis with HomePods, don't don't test those waters just yet. Then I'm not going to Apple Store, so James, stop me for going to the I, Apple I, Store. You're going nowhere near an Apple Store, especially on our budget. No, no. no. But, but, but Crosswise budget does not extend to, to you getting it. Look, we will at some point get one, because I think but I think for me, the biggest thing that they did right with this old G, reviving the OG HomePod was fixing what was missing, and that was simple. The thread radio, yes, not having or matter whatever we want to call it now. Yeah, but I've I've got that in my HomePod Mini. So can I say that the HomePod does matter? Uh, <laughs> I'll allow it. I've 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 made I've made that I've made that pun several times on Mac Observer. Why matter matters. Or well, does HomeKit matter? <laughs> I think was that. I think my might it does now. Yeah. Yes, it does now. Well, and you know one one of the nicest things. You know, okay, I, I love the the immersive audio. I love the spatial audio that the HomePod is offering. I love the room-sensing technology. 
But we're talking about matter. We're talking about HomeKit. And can I just say, I love being able to call out, hey, S lady, what's the temperature in my bedroom? With my HomePod mini that I've owned for over a year, and I couldn't do it until this week. Yeah, this is huge. Yeah, and 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 like because now like think think about the fact that like you can now use home. Co- I was really I was reading up on it because I did not realize till today that my minis could do that, and now it's cool. Like you can say say, say like you have a, a dehumidifier hooked up to HomeKit, you can then say, "Hey, I'm getting a little too humid in here. Let's let's bring it down, or it's getting a little too cold. Right? Turn on the heat. I mean, there's a lot of cool cost savings things because my my parents have a alarm.com system and. It could do a lot of those with a temperature sensor and can work with their thermostat. And it's cool we have that now here. Yeah, yeah, because you can – and you can set up Siri automations to to do all of that for you. Um, you know, I just mentioned being able to ask what the what the conditions are simply because it's it's an argument that my partner and I have almost daily, whether it's hot or not, in our room. And now I can just say, hey, S-Lady, what's the temperature in here? And – you know, that solves that problem right there. And well, no, it doesn't because she calls it a liar, but you know. Can I just say what's, 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 what's cool about the fact that it already works on HomePod minis? It shows a, cause I know pe- Apple gets sometimes accused of, of like planned obsolescence. Yeah. But they un- unveil something on an older device. They didn't have to unveil those radios. They could, they could, they could have just kept it. No, they didn't. They, they could have kept them turned off. And, and in fact, it was, I, I could, I could argue that it is a little bit more work to turn them on than to just leave them off. This is true. Now, what's, now this has a huge – we talk about HomeKit automation. I've just realized where – so I already had a temperature sensor in my flat. And ironically, it's not in any app, any um, you know, like temperature thing. I don't have a smartphone. It's rented property. But my Philips Hue motion sensor had a temperature sensor. So now – I have, I can now see, and I've just literally, my HomePod mini's updated. I can go in, it will show me the temperature, show me the humidity. It will show me the humidity in the lounge. It won't in the hallway because that doesn't have that. But that means that if you've got things like, so let's say you've got a really wonderful heating system where you've got a smart thermostat. I mean, if you've got central heating, gas-fired central heating, or or even just, um, oh, what are the ones, oh, those wonderful um, electric panel heatings, uh, yeah, baseboard heaters, anything that anything that you can put, honestly, anything you can you can connect to a smart plug of some sort. Yes, I, I'm thinking. I need to remember the name of them. Uh, they are they are HomeKit compatible. Um, uh, I forgot. Them. My friend has them, but because they're room by room, that means that you know, look, we're in an energy cost crisis. It means that you can say, okay, right. well, right now I'm in my lounge. I don't need the hallway heating right now, but I would like a bit more heat in my lounge. Yeah, if if you if you have a climate control system that supports different zones, um, yeah, these automations can totally do that. Um, you know, and, and if you don't, and if you don't, then that's where you get the smart plugs come in. You know, you get, get a four-pack of smart plugs, plug a fan into each one, put one in each room, and boom. And also dehumidifiers if your humidity gets too much you can say turn on the dehumidifier and turn it off again when it reaches the given humidity right because you don't want it to get too low and and that's a common that's a common issue is people will run their dehumidifiers and then forget about them and then dry the room out and that presents its own host of problems 
it does, unless you are doing like I'm doing. I, I have a dehumidifier. Really the reason I have one is because it, it dries my laundry. I leave, put it everything in my bathroom, put my dehumidifier in my bathroom, and it dries my laundry a heck of a lot quicker than just uh, rack drying or, and a lot cheaper, a, I don't own a tumble dryer, but if I did... Huh. Yeah, I, I'm actually going to be going that, that same route because... Interesting. The rant, the dryers in my complex suck. They are pretty bad. I, I, I've heard stories. Anyway, okay. w- there's something else that Apple... Now, it's not available yet, but this is a really interesting one, and it's definitely interesting when we come to think about, again, rental properties where you're typically not allowed to change smoke or carbon monoxide detectors. Yeah, so I was rooting around on the Apple HomePod websites, both the second gen and the, and the mini. In one of the... Under the under one of the sections, I mentioned Smart Hub, and I look at the little anecdote. Sound recognition will be available in a software update later this spring. Sound recognition may detect smoke and carbon monoxide alarms and send you notifications when recognized. Now, they, they did say should not be used for, like, critical emergency things, but that's pretty cool because... Amazon Smart Assistant does have... Sorry, I just realized I just probably activated it. Can you bleep that out? I, I can I can edit that out. However, I'll take this opportunity to say, can you just say that word again? Amazon Smart Assistant. Buy Crosswires a brand new Mac, <laughs> Mac, Mac, Mac <laughs> Mini M2 Pro. What? <laughs> 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 well, I've got to take the opportunity, folks. I'm sorry. You got you got to you got to include your wish list link in there somehow, though. There is a crosswires.com slash tips if you want to give us a tip for... Anyway, <laughs> let's go back to the episode. They have the Amazon um, Madam A... Lady in the Tube. Lady in the, in the Tube guard. And that is a, a pretty cool feature where like you don't have to have a secure system. Yeah. But you can at least have a little bit of peace of mind. I have a secure system here. I will not say what it is because that's my, it's between me and it's not HomeKit. And I only have it because I want something... Just to, just because of where I live, but that's a pretty cool little device, and it's going to be on both the mini and the the uh, three ninety nine, the second gen, yeah, but two ninety nine, and yeah, that's a cool little feature again that they didn't have to give to all. Can I ask a question on this one from someone who is hearing impaired? I have hearing aids, but I can't usually wear them when I'm. Huh? You what now? What's that? <laughs> eh? What? Eh? Ah. So with sound recognition, could this also recognize recognize? Sound very uh, Londoner. Recognize door intercom sounds. Can it be programmed? That would be cool. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna have to wait and see what it includes. If they're if they're baking in the same sound recognition feature that's already in iOS, then yes, it should be able to. And you can even set up uh, custom alarm sounds. Like you can you can set up on on the iPhone. You can set one up that. You know, you record your microwave going off five times, and then it will listen for your for your particular microwave and alert you when that sound goes off. If they had this, that changes a bunch of things for home automation, and it's one reason why. From now on, I wasn't talking with James about tech stuff when I bought some stuff for my flat, but from now on, I only buy. HomeKit enabled stuff because of that integration in the shortcuts. Yeah. Because one thing that I think Apple has, I'm not trying to, again, fangirl, but compared to the Amazon Smart Assistant. Compared to the. <laughs> there we go again. 
<laughs> yeah, the A the lady. A lady. Compared to the A lady, they have a lot of integration with, with with different apps, and it's already on your device. It's just there. And I what what I get you know, what I love is it's on your device. But yeah, I just I find that I found that a really cool addition that they're adding to the the HomeKit and. Again, uh, I, I, th- I think Jeff, you, you mentioned earlier, just like the, the, the different stuff, it's, it, it, the aim is to have it in all rooms of your house. So then you don't have to think about it. So if, right. if you forget that, it, so like if you, if, if you don't realize that like your smoke alarms went off, now you know. Yeah. If, if your, if your home alarm system doesn't alert you and you're away from home and, and you know, your smoke alarm or your carbon monoxide alarm goes off, then you could get that notification some other way. I like Apple's approach right now on like the crash detection, the satellite stuff on adding features to, and like fall detection on the watch that will potentially save your life. And it's a feature that you hope that, that you never need. Like I'm going to enable, I will, I will enable this, but yeah, it's there. You'll be glad that you had it. Yeah. I hope I, I hope I never need crash detection, but it's enabled by default and I'm not going to turn it off. My mom has an Apple watch and one day it notified her that she was having some heart problems. She went to the doctor and the doctor found out something. So that's already, mm-hmm. it saved my mom's life in a way. Yeah. I think it, it comes back to Apple's ecosystem for all the things that people say about locked in or sheeple. I think the huge advantage of Apple having so, such an ecosystem and controlling the hardware and the software means that we do get these features. Yeah. One of my favorite features on the HomePod and HomePod mini is if I'm playing the track on my phone, maybe through my headphones or something, just tapping, the, bringing my phone close to the HomePod to transfer, you know, to transfer the music across or, you know, transfer whatever I'm listening across. Yep. Airplay works so well most of the time. It does. You know, me and Jay, for example, one thing I love that we added, I think in 16, yeah, it was in 16, being able to move FaceTime calls across devices. Yeah. That's so cool because sometimes I, I, I won't be on my computer or my iPad. James will call me or I'll call James and we'll be like, okay, we're on my phone. Transferring over here. And I mean, it's not perfect, but it's the first generation of this technology. And as time gets on, it's like handoff is much better than it used to be. Yeah. Universal control. Gosh, yeah. Uh, And and I discovered purely by accident uh, with my, with my new iPad pro that universal control works both ways. I have, I have a non Apple branded, uh, keyboard trackpad folio for my, for my iPad Pro. And I was playing around on the new iPad and, and moved the, the mouse cursor up to the top of the screen to activate control center and the mouse disappeared. And I'm like, where'd, where'd you go? And I look at my, at my Mac display and, oh, there it is. Is that by any chance with Logitech one you have? No, mine is by ESR gear. Oh, okay. So is it, that's cool. Yeah, so that, again, that's great. If you've got, you know, your iPad on your desk, yeah, I really like how how it is stuff. Now, before we wrap up, there's one thing I wanted to talk a little bit about, and maybe it's not something that we've, I haven't set this up yet. I know, Jay, you've turned it on, but as well as, as part of 16.3, I believe, Advanced Data Protection has launched, and actually launched more worldwide than we thought it, I think than we thought it was going to do straight away. I think it went completely global, and we didn't think that it would. What's been pretty cool about that is because I because I'm, I'm on a family plan with, with James, I had to wait till sixteen point three to be able to activate it. Uh-huh. But what's cool is I just I activated it, put in my passcodes, said who my recovery contacts are. 
I didn't have to do the recovery contacts or the recovery key. I had to have at least one, if I understand right, um, or Apple. But once I enabled that, I don't even realize it. I have iCloud.com turned off because I have I have devices access it. But it's pretty cool that now, without even realizing it, my data is just that much more secure. Yeah, Apple's got work to do on that, though. My 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 new iPad Pro, uh, because I had advanced data protection turned on during the beta, I had problems setting up my new iPad Pro. I had to turn off advanced data protection, sign into my, because it, it told me that because advanced data protection was turned on, I needed to update my iPad before I could sign into my Apple ID. And then I just got a blurred out wallpaper and never got the option to update to iPad OS. And so I had to turn off advanced data protection, update everything, and then turn it back on. And people and people are going to run into this with any device that isn't running 16.3 on the iOS, iPad OS, HomePad software side of things, or uh, Ventura 13.2. Yeah, if you have it turned on, be ready to turn it off if you get a new device that doesn't include the latest operating system out of the box that's particularly relevant if you are i mean obviously apple's inventory will start to get apple's new products will start to get 16.3 on device but it's going to take time for the inventory that's shipped with 16. something to clear right well now see i i would i i would think that the new home pods will have 16.3 i i can't say that for certain until they start arriving but you know the the MacBooks that began arriving uh, Tuesday, the the MacBook Pros and Mac Minis that began arriving on Tuesday may or may not have Ventura thirteen too. Hey, you know it's tough because th- that that release candidate just came out the Thursday or Friday prior. But that's a good point. Hard, hard to say. Hard to say. Because on on the Mac side. When you get a new out of box Mac, doesn't it do an auto update to the latest version? Yeah, it. It's been a while since I've set up new. It. I don't know that it. Yes, it does. You can have it automatically update. If it doesn't, now the other thing with the with on the Mac side is that you don't have to sign into your Apple ID right away. Um, you know, I'm dealing with with an iPad where you have to sign into your Apple ID or you don't get any updates. You know, there's no save, you know, wait and do this later option on the HomePod. There's no wait and do this later. It's got to be the right version or you're out of luck. So this is a, a, a problem that maybe in that, that transition period that one day we won't ever, we won't remember this, but it is a good thing to know. Yeah. I mean, eventually, you know, the, the, the in stock versions of and the devices I think that are going to be most affected are going to be well all of your mobile devices your iPhones your Apple Watch your iPads your uh, then your Apple TV 4K your HomePods and and that's something of course to mention is you know remember your Apple Watch needs updating as well folks that has to have access your Apple TV does yeah by the way can I just say it's really nice now that Apple have all of the "Quote unquote home entertainment hardware." Hang on, does ah, am I wrong on this? The HomePods all have Fred radios. I don't. Does the base model new Apple TV have Fred? I seem to think it doesn't. The 
the the one without the Ethernet does not. But the previous generation Apple TV 4K does. That's interesting. Mm. Oh, worth mentioning, by the way, uh, just just uh, offhand, uh, the new Mac hardware that came out has been upgraded to Wi-Fi uh, to Wi-Fi 6E and Bluetooth 5.3. Uh, very unlikely that most people are going to have 6E Wi-Fi gear. In fact, probably unlikely most people have Wi-Fi 6 gear in, in their homes, especially if you've got... Right, but it's starting to come out now. I think I think what will be more impressive to, to a lot of people will be the full HDMI 2.1 support. Yeah, that's... So, Jeff, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, now it gets a little bit more complicated when you start looking at multiple displays, but... Yep up to 8k resolution now interestingly i noted they didn't say what frame rate what refresh rate for 8k no uh, they they did uh 8k is um, unless i missed it oh uh i believe it's 60 hertz that makes sense that makes sense. it might be 30 but i but i want to say it's 60 uh 4k is up to 240 hertz which is really impressive uh, you know, the, the highest resolution screen in my home currently is this 5K iMac. My other monitor is just a 1080p 60. My TV is 4K 60, I think. They're all good displays, but, I, you know, I'd love a high refresh rate, rate display one day, but it's great to see. Now, you know, when you talk these, MBM, I think the M2 Max can drive, like, is it four external displays at different differing resolutions? It's kind of... The MacBook Pro, I, I'm not 100% sure on that. I can't remember the specs. I know the Mac Mini, no, they still are limited to two. I think one of the Mac Minis um, can do three, three. Yeah, but the M2 Pro can do three. The M2 Pro can do three. M2 yeah. Pro, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But, it, okay. but that makes sense, by the way, on the M2, because the straight M series chips, as in M1, M2, can do maximum of two displays one of those on my laptops of course is the internal screen right so that makes sense so advanced data protection i mean you've ter- obviously turned me something had to turn off again i'm going to be enabling this is there anyone who shouldn't enable this if they i guess if you're a frequent icloud.com user maybe uh i don't know that even that really matters i mean what this is what this is encrypting is additional parts of your your icloud data stream that weren't encrypted before. Um, and, you know, a lot of it, it, it didn't really matter for me because I wasn't doing, I wasn't letting that information go to iCloud in the first place. One of the key ones for me was, was um, backups of my messages. Yes. Yeah. And I would not use iCloud for that because it was not end-to-end encrypted. I, I used another way to back that up. I think one one use case I would definitely suggest because – Again, I have a recovery key backed up, and I also have two recovery contacts, uh, James being one of them. Uh, I know I just gave somebody my social engineering ways. If you want my data, you got to go through James. Well, <laughs> all right. Contact James for James. James. Yeah, yeah, Jeff's plotting already. But one thing that Apple did say, and I even had like a wonder to said, I want to make sure, do you know your recovery key? Do you know your contacts? Because if you run into issues, we can't help you. And right. I, th- I think that's the biggest thing is if you know what you're doing and you have people set up to help you, enable it. 
you just have to remember that yeah, you, you have to remember that you're taking the life of your data into your own hands. Yes. And, and that's what end-to-end encryption means. It means that yep. your service provider does not have the way to recover your data. That is a good thing in most cases. But if you are if you don't look after your keys, if you're the sort of person who uses password 123 for every password... Shoot! How'd you guess? <laughs> I'm so... I figured it was just root. Root. No, no, it's, it's pa- admin. Or, admin, admin. Admin, admin. It's the, it's the password in uh, Hacker. I am God. Uh, do you know, I'm so glad that I know that this is not the case with Jay. I know that she's using strong passwords <laughs> to protect her accounts. Yes. I I hope so. Oh, no, we are, we are using what we use, one password family. Look, I am a huge advocate for one password. Can I, can I say one thing, though? I set up... Uh, you know, speaking of data security and you know Apple's ecosystem, uh, a friend of mine recently. So he uh, retired from his job at a uh, at a college here in 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 the UK, and he wanted to get himself a new computer because his previous computer had been a work issued Windows laptop, and he wanted to upgrade his phone from an iPhone seven. You know, good time to upgrade. I, his seven was still mostly working, but it's like I'm. It's becoming slower, and I'm like, yeah, the seven isn't probably after this year, going to receive security updates. Let's get you. So he got an iPhone 11. It's refurbed through uh, GiftGaff, as it happens. And he bought a refurbed... You know, we talked earlier about vm one still being good machines. He bought an M1 MacBook Air from Apple's refurb store. That's still a great... For day-to-day computing, that's still a great machine. Oh, yeah. One of the things that really blew me away was how good iCloud Keychain has become in the last couple of years. Yep. Oh, yeah. Someone was telling me, I didn't know about this. Did you know that if you are on a Windows system and you've got the iCloud app installed, it will pull your iCloud keychain stuff into Microsoft Edge? Really? That's cool. Huh. So that starts to make I Look, is one password or other password managers, um, except LastPass, of course. No one no one touched LastPass. Just, just don't. Yeah, let's leave that one alone. But tools like 1Password are so much better for when you need to share passwords. Yeah. And collaborate. Yeah. But iCloud Keychain is is really good. And it's installed. It's free. I I honestly, unless you are a power user, because I mean, because we're power users and we share power, I would on, honestly, for a lot of people, say iCloud Keychain, and if you know what you're doing, advanced data, advanced data encryption, just to give it a little extra security. Yeah. But I, I would definitely recommend like iCloud. Key, key. I mean, I have mine still turned on for a few things. Oh, my passwords are stored one password, but I just have iCloud keychain turned on anyway. Well, it, it's, it's, it is required if I understand right for advanced data protection, just as a yes layer. But, but also yeah. don't forget iCloud keychain does more than your passwords. It obviously it handles Apple's current implementation of pass keys, but it also, yes. and people maybe forget about this. It also saves all the Wi-Fi credentials so that when you come to a new uh, iPhone and you've signed into iCloud, you go and join your home network, boom, it's already got the password. Mm-hmm. Jeff, before we wrap up, because I'm, I'm aware that we've taken up, uh, well, I always, do you know, I always enjoy chat. I know our episodes always run a little bit longer. It's great. And I love the discussion we've had. Is there anything, you know, Jeff, if we say, you know, we start of 2023, would you say Apple are doing pretty well at the moment? Are we in a, are Apple putting out good products as it stands right now? Yeah, I think so. You know, we're not seeing we're not seeing groundbreaking innovation yet, although I think we may eh, very shortly, but that's a, a topic for another day. But they are 
you know, they're continuing to evolve their product lineup. They're continuing to move towards migrating all of their computers to silicone. And, you know, we just have to keep watching. And, you know, when, when it comes time to upgrade, look and see what your best option is. I would just have to admit, say one thing uh, using an M1 Mac. I love how a lot of my apps from iOS and iPad work on my Mac. And I think that's a yes. pretty cool, quote one of the code names for it, synergies of the two operating systems. Yeah, I yeah, I love that. Because, you know, I, I was listening to a, a podcast. I think, it, in fact, it was, um, it was Sofa, an app that me and Jay use, and they were advertised. And, of course, what they were talking about is it's available for iPhone, iPad, and Apple Silicon Macs because there's no extra, in general, there's no extra work there. Right. I mean, you know, in the, in the last generation, the M1 generation, but one thing I want to just put out there for discussion and speculation is, what on earth, where on earth, where on earth is my Mac Pro, my Apple Silicon Mac Pro? Because previous generation we had, you know, so we had M1, M1 Pro, M1 Max, M1 Ultra. Yeah. And effectively, each one was just another one of the previous one added in, right? All right, so so let's bear in mind that during 2022, a lot of the world was on fire a lot of the time. Um, we had multiple increases, multiple ramp-ups of COVID-19 infections. We had plants getting shut down, plants getting severely curtailed, plants seeing rioting. And so Apple was is working on a Mac Pro. They have been working on an M2 Ultra or an M2 Extreme chip for the Mac Pro, but because of manufacturing concerns, because of R&D impacts, a lot probably related to COVID-19 and just a lot of other things, that's been slowed down. I do think we will still see a Mac Pro in 2023. Apple said that they hoped to complete the transition to Apple Silicon in about two years. And, you know, we're, we're still on the fringe of that about two years time frame. And I think it's probably, that's a really good point because I remember the PowerPC to Intel transition. They said, what, about two years, the same. I mean, that was a much faster transition. But this time, it, I think you're right. It is about that supply chain issues. And we've obviously seen, you know, I can see this year, Potentially, I might be wrong on this. I can see the 24-inch iMac getting an M2. That'd be nice. Question for you, Bill. Could you see an M2 Pro iMac? An M2 Pro iMac or an M2 iMac Pro? M2 Pro iMac. So the same 24-inch chassis with the M2 Pro. Uh, maybe. Because the only thing I'm thinking of is that larger iMac, like what I've got on my desk, is gone from a lineup. Yeah, you know, I don't know. It, it Apple has been very, very quiet on the iMac front. Even even the display uh, supply chain watchers are confused. You know, we thought that a new 27-inch iMac was coming in 2022 based on the display panel orders. And look at what we got instead, the studio display. Uh, Apple has proven that they can still pull one over on us. And, you know, we can't. We just can't tell what they're going to do um, when it comes to displays. Now that they've now that they've introduced the idea of including all of the computing components of of an iPhone into a monitor. Yeah, here's a idea speculation continuity camera with the MagSafe adapter. What if we saw an iMac without FaceTime installed? Yeah, 
uh, and, uh but then they would they would almost need to include a, a magsafe mount or the outcry would be horrendous you've also then got the problem jay and i love that idea but you've then got the problem that not everyone who buys an imac is going to have an iphone that can be paired with it True. compatible yeah and and plus they could sell face id on a mac as a feature so there is that idea yeah and i mean let, let's face it i think i think that the cost of the of including the facetime camera in that chassis is negligible yeah and, and to remove it kind of goes away from that you know if you if we look back to the original imac for 19 what 98 i should know this 8 98 99 but g3 sounds about right that original imac the whole messaging on the imac is to take it out of a box and you're ready to go and that yes you remember the mac versus pc ads you know you had oh the rest of me is in some other boxes over there yeah I, I, I think that flies again. I, I see what you're saying, Jay, but continuity camera is a wonderful feature. And actually, there, there is part of me that wants to try continuity camera instead of this Brio and, for a stream and see how it, we get on. I, I have a mount somewhere. Again, you, you take away that out of the box, and particularly maybe for the education market. Yeah, that is true. And and I remember what what made me fall in love with the Mac was I had I got one of those giant imax um in 2006 and when i when i got that for the first time took out of the box it had a keyboard and mouse and i just i was actually on the living room floor using it until i tried to update the the, the software and end up bricking it well i have that same sort of experience so when i got my first imac my mom genuinely came into into my into my room and said i said oh, this is my new my new imac she was getting she said where's the rest of it what do you mean? Where's the rest of it, Mum? <laughs> yeah, like, it's all here. This is it? She says, "No, no. Why can't?" And her phrasing was, "Why can't Microsoft do that?" Yeah. Oh God, I've been had to. I had to. Well, you know, they, that's stupid. That's what is it? The Surface. Oh, the, just uh, oh. over the Surface Studio. Oh, yeah. I've got a brother-in-law. I love you, brother-in-law, who swears by his Microsoft's uh, Studio. Uh yeah, I would I would just swear at it, not yeah. swear by it. <laughs> is that is that B or S? B. B. I thought it might be B. Okay. Yeah. I love you, <laughs> by the way. I'm the reason she's saying that is because I know his I know that Jay's nephew listens to the show and it will probably end up telling that uh, that particular uh, yes. anyway. <laughs> hey Gab, well, guess what Aunt Jay said? <laughs> yeah. Well, Jeff I want to thank you so much for coming on. I, I I love digging the episode that you were on before, and it was so cool now to talk with you. Yeah. I'm a geek. I can I, Apple's products I can talk about forever, and I know we could go on for hours and hours, but thank you so much for taking your time. For those uh, – sorry, James. I just stole the show. I just realized. No, that's, it's our show. Go for yeah. it. So, so, Jeff, for those who want to hear more, and I definitely recommend uh, following Jeff, where can they find you across the interwebs? Uh well are are we still talking about that uh that new no, site? We are not. No, yep, no not giving them any more uh credence. Okay, then you can find me at MacObserver.com. Uh I am a regular guest on the Mac Observer's Daily Observations podcast. And on Mastodon, I am Jeff Butts at newsy.social. 
I want to highly recommend the Mac Observer uh, Daily Podcast because there are many times that something will happen and I'm like, I want to hear what they have to say. So you are one of the podcasts that I will routinely add to my queue. Well, thank you. Yeah, that, that's, that's, uh, that's been a longstanding part of the Mac Observer. Um, I was really excited when we got Ken Ray to, to come on board and, and host it. And, you know, it, it's the start and end of my week and sometimes the middle of my week. You know, and it goes back to why when I was relaunching CrossWires from what it used to be, which was a somewhat news-centric show, I thought, no, there's too many good Apple news shows already. Mac, Obser- Mac Observer's Daily Observation has been one of those shows. And, you know, I listen and I get stuff. And I, Jeff, it's such an honor to have people coming back onto the show. You know, from my perspective, thank you for coming back. You know, as you said, I didn't scare you off. No, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. You're welcome. This is this is always fun. This is yeah. always fun. That's, that's what I like to hear. Thank you so much. So, Jay, hit that button and we will do the outro. Hitting it now. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of Cross Wires. We hope you've enjoyed our discussion and we'd love to hear your thoughts. So please drop us a note over to podcast at crosswires.net. You can also drop us a comment on the post, or if you're a good pod user, why not start a discussion there too? You can also join our new Discord server at crosswires.net forward slash Discord. We've got forum channels for each episode and we'd love you to join the discussion there. You can also follow us on Mastodon at crosswires at masthead.social. And of course, you can find the show in all the good podcast apps and all the really bad ones too. If you'd like to check out more of our content, head on over to crosswires.net slash YouTube for all our videos and keep an eye on our Twitch channel at crosswires.net slash live our upcoming streams if you like what we heard please do drop a review in your podcast directory of choice it really does help spread the word about the show and of course if you can spare even the smallest amount of financial support we'd be incredibly grateful you can support us at ko-fi.com slash crossed wires that is ko-fi.com slash crossed wires until next time thanks for listening